Good morning, everybody. It is good to see you all here this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are in our third week in this series, Weary World Rejoice. And in this series, if you haven't been with us, we've been uh, looking at some of those words that kind of come up during this uh, Christmas season. Words like joy and faith. And uh, today we're going to be examining another word uh, that we, we start to kind of think about during this time of year. And the word we're going to be talking about today is peace. Peace. Isn't that such a beautiful word? Peace. Um, and this time of year, we can hear that a lot during in Christmas songs, in just kind of the Christmas vibe, this idea of peace. But although it's a beautiful word and it can be a beautiful concept, I don't know if we always feel at peace. It's something I think we all long for, but it's not always something that we feel like we're living in, right? At least for me, I don't always feel like I'm at peace. This past week, uh, there was the 80th anniversary of a famous American uh, history event. Does anyone know what that, that was? Pearl Harbor, yeah. This past week, on December 7th, was the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And uh, if you don't know, back in 1941, that was the day, the attack on Pearl Harbor, that launched the United States into uh, World War II. And it was a day that was famously said to be a date which will live in infamy. And that date, uh, for the United States, it launched us into that great conflict. And for World War II, it was just, it was a time, there was no peace, right? It was just constant conflict and chaos and war around the world. And that's what the absence of peace really looks like. It's, it's conflict, it's chaos, it's problems, it's trouble. And in World War II, we, we clearly see that, where there's violence associated with that conflict. And it's really easy to look around our world and to see our world desperately needs to be at peace. But we can also not just look around our world, not just look at the headlines, we can look at our own lives, I think, at times. We can look at our own family dynamics. We can look in the mirror and we can say, man, I need some peace. Because life is hard. There's conflict. There's disagreements. There's pain. We need peace. And I love this time of year because we can take time to really process and think about uh, what peace is. Because I think it's so important and I think it's so central, not just to the story of Christmas, but to the entire story of the Bible. So, what is peace? Like, what, what is it? Like, uh, people walk around and they, they say peace to each other, you know, or we might ask someone, hey, how are you feeling? And someone might say, well, I'm at peace. Like, we use the word peace in different ways, right? Right? Well, in the Bible, the word peace got used in different ways as well. In the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. Shalom. Maybe you've heard someone uh, use that as a greeting. You know, they walk up to you and say, Shalom. And that's, that's the Hebrew word for peace. In the, in the New Testament, it's the Greek word, erene. But uh, in the Old Testament, there's this word, Shalom. And just like in English, we can use peace as like a greeting or a, a goodbye. Or we can ask about how someone's well-being is. Or we can talk about like a peace treaty. In Hebrew, the word Shalom was used in different ways as well. 
In Job chapter 5, we see, uh, it says this, it says, You shall know that your tent is at peace. God is talking to Job. You shall know that your tent is at peace, and you shall inspect your fold and miss nothing. It's the idea of, hey, uh, Job, you will examine all your property, and nothing will be out of place. Everything will be where it should be, and there'll be peace. You know, nothing, nothing is out of place. Nothing is missing. Everything is complete, and that completeness brings peace. Or in 1 Samuel 17, 22, David, uh, if you know the story, his father sends him to go see his brothers uh, who are out fighting the war. This is before David fights uh, Goliath. And it says, David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. Now, in English, we don't see the word shalom, but if you look at, at the Hebrew, that word greet, it's, it's really a couple Hebrew words, basically to mean to ask about shalom, to, to ask about peace. And so David, he's going to, and he's asking his brothers, hey, shalom, like, how are you? How's your well-being? And he's, he's asking that to see just, how are you? And so peace uh, can be used in multiple ways, but to really narrow down what does it mean at its basic core level, shalom and peace means the idea of wholeness, completeness, just think about that. If your life was just whole, there's just, ah, oh, there's just peace. Everything's where it should be. And a, a quote here that kind of helps encapsulate it better. The core idea is that life is complex. It's full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom, it breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. So that's what shalom is. That's what peace is. It's this idea of wholeness, completeness, nothing's missing. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever done like a really big puzzle, like a thousand or more pieces, and you spread out, uh, you open up the box, and if you've ever done one, or if you're like me, you open, and you're like, oh man, we're never going to finish this. This is so overwhelming. And then you start to organize the pieces, and, and you try to lay everything out, and the whole time you're just hoping, please, may every piece be here. And it's so awesome when you get to the end, and you realize, oh yeah, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And then you do it. You put the last piece in, and it's just this like, oh, we did it. Everything's where it should be. The border came together. This part was a little, little tricky, but we got it together. And there's just, there's shalom there. There's completeness. There's wholeness. But what about when you do a big puzzle and you're like, oh man, we're doing it, we're doing it. And then one piece is missing. Has that ever happened to anybody? Yeah. Your shalom is thrown off for like weeks after that. You're just thinking about that puzzle. Like, man, we couldn't complete it. That's so just, it just throws you off. And that's, that's what happens, though, I think, in life. Life can often feel like that unfinished puzzle, right? Where it's like, man, if we only had this piece or this piece realigned, or if that didn't happen, then it could all be complete and I would be at shalom. Or, man, if that situation wouldn't have happened, or I had a plan and then this happened, I wasn't expecting it, it blindsided me, and now psh, my shalom, my peace is just gone. And I've had that experience in life where things seemed aligned, where things seemed at peace, and then life happened. And it threw me off. It felt like that unfinished puzzle. And I think we can feel that a lot in life because there is a lot of conflict in life. We can feel that at work, with our boss, with our coworkers. 
We can feel that within family dynamics. We can feel that even at the holidays where there's different schedules and there's different hopes and desires and you're trying to just align everything and there can sometimes conflict can arise and we're not at peace, even though this is supposed to be the season of peace. And people have been experiencing that unfinished feeling, that incomplete feeling, ever since the garden in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed God. Because what happened? When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, they chose to enter into that conflict with God. They chose uh, to rebel, and that created destruction and chaos and conflict in the world. But before Genesis chapter 3, there was shalom. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, did God create a world of chaos and conflict? No, he created a world out of chaos and conflict and created a, a world that was orderly, a world that was perfect, a world that was a finished puzzle. And there was peace. There was shalom. And uh, I think if we just take Genesis 1 to 3 kind of as an as a, a overall just snapshot, we, we realize this, that God, God creates a world of peace. Sin creates conflict that destroys peace. God is in the business of creating peace ever since the beginning. And if we go to the book of Revelation in the end, God is bringing everything to that. What creates the disturbance of peace is us. It's our sin in the world, or it's someone else's sin that's created conflict in our life, and so now we don't feel at peace, or it's just the sin system of the world where just things aren't the way they're supposed to be, and we feel that. But we have to start there because we have to realize that God originated everything to live in shalom, us with him, us with others. Things aren't the way they're supposed to be. We need peace to be restored. Uh, One of the things I love most about this time of year is the feeling of anticipation. You know, the holidays are coming, and there's just anticipation of, I get to see friends, I get to see family, I get to eat good food, uh, too much good food, I get to uh, open presents, and I get to give presents, and there's just anticipation. Now, as a kid, I hated like December 1st to December 24th because it was just full of anticipation that took forever because all I wanted was December 25th to come. Um, And as I've gotten older, like time just goes faster and faster and I've come to just, let's just enjoy the anticipation. Now in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there it's just jam-packed full of anticipation. Of anticipation, looking forward to a certain person In the Old Testament, all the Old Testament writers are looking forward to the day when the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one would come and take care of this conflict called sin. If you remember in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve sinned, God talks to the serpent and he he basically says in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 that, hey, serpent, someone is going to come someday And he's going to crush your head, although you're going to strike his heel. And ever since that verse, 
the Old Testament is looking forward to, okay, when is that person, that Messiah, who can come bring peace, when is he going to arrive? And so there's, we get snapshots of what this anticipated Messiah is going to be like. And in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah writes this, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and he's writing about the Messiah. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The Messiah isn't just about peace. He's a prince of peace. And here at Christmas, because we know who the Messiah is, it's that baby that came born of a virgin 2,000 years ago. It's Jesus. He came as our Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace to this world. He came to deliver it into peace from the chaos and conflict that we started with sin. In Luke chapter 2, when the angels are talking to the shepherds before to tell them to go find this Messiah, in Luke 2, verses 13 to 14, it says, Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Jesus came to bring peace as the prince of peace the angels declared that on the night of his birth and i think if you've been in church for a while like we get that but we need to really sit with that because how did jesus come to bring peace did he come just to teach us about it did he come just to tell us about it did he come with uh signs to, to live in peace with everybody. Isaiah tells us how this Prince of Peace was going to bring peace. In Isaiah 53, and Isaiah, guys, he's writing hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And listen to what he says. He says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The Prince of Peace came and brought peace by taking our punishment upon himself. The conflict we started and the punishment we rightly deserved, he said, you know what? I want peace with my people so badly that I'm going to take that upon myself. Because if I don't do that, I can't have peace with them. They can't have peace with me. Romans 5.1, it says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. The baby in the manger that is such a a cute scene and just a, a warm fuzzy scene. He came as the Prince of Peace and he came to deliver us by going to the cross. 
That was his whole mission. Because there wasn't peace. There wasn't shalom anymore in the world. There wasn't shalom anymore in our hearts because of sin. Because of that great conflict. And we just need to realize that. That the Christmas season is about the God of peace coming to the world to bring us peace. But he doesn't do it in the way that I think often our human minds try to create peace. Like think about the ways that we try to create peace in the world. We try to create treaties with other people. We try to, hey, let's just avoid that conflict and just put it under the rug and maybe we'll be at peace. Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus goes right at the heart of the issue and the heart of the issue isn't that there's, there's violence in the world. That's part of it. It isn't that there's this conflict in the world, like out here. The real conflict is inside of us. It's because of sin. It because, because of sin, we, we literally can't be at peace. We are broken. We are that unfinished puzzle. We needed to be completed. But we couldn't be because of sin. And so Jesus said, you know what? I'm not just going to get rid of violence in the world. I'm not just going to, um, you know, come and tell them to be be like good and create a peace tree. Like I'm literally going to die for them. The sin and the unbrokenness in their life, I'm literally going to take it upon myself. And we just need to, to sit with that today. Because my guess is there's a lot of us in here who are living, not experiencing this peace. Because the reality is we can experience this peace with God. Jesus has already grown up. He's left the manger and he's gone to the cross and he's risen again. We have peace with God. Like that's ours right now to experience, to live in. That's not just a concept for then and there when when God returns or when we go to be with him. That's something that is ours now. And we can live in that. Now the question is, does that mean that every little conflict in our life is automatically taken away? No. No. Not at all. Not at all. Jesus didn't come to just magically take all the conflict out of this life. In fact, Jesus tells us to pick up our cross daily and follow him. That's kind of a call to, hey, life is going to be challenging. But the peace that Jesus came to bring was the peace between us and God. Which that is the greatest conflict you and I have. For some of us right now, we might have conflict within our families or conflict at work, or we might have all kinds of different conflicting things or problems that feel like are just waging war in our life. And all of those things are legitimate, can be painful, and can be very real. And so I don't want to diminish that. But there's something about when we step back and realize that this baby born in a manger that he came and he confronted the biggest conflict in our life. He took care of the conflict. He waged war against the eternal problem, against our rebellion and against our sin. And so in, in order to experience this peace, I believe that 
perspective. Perspective is very powerful. It's like the person who survived cancer. They can have peace when they get a splinter, right? The splinter's real, the splinter stinks, but it's nothing compared to what they've survived from. And when we realize that while the conflicts in our life between at work or with our families or, or whatever else, although they are real and they're painful just like a splinter, they are nothing compared to the conflict that Jesus came to bring peace to. Have you guys ever heard the phrase, uh, you're making a mountain out of a molehill? Ever heard that phrase? It's kind of that a witty way of saying, hey, you're, you're overreacting. You're making a big deal about something that you shouldn't make a big deal about, right? Sometimes in life, I think we do the opposite. Instead of making a mountain out of a molehill, sometimes I think we make a molehill out of a mountain. The conflict between us and God was so big. It was the largest conflict, the biggest mountain that we couldn't cross it. We couldn't fix it. But how easy is it for us to say, you know what, that really wasn't that big. And we kind of make that mountain of sin into a molehill and say, you know what, like, my conflicts, my other conflicts in life are bigger than that one. And that's totally wrong. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's easy for us to do, or at least I'll speak for myself, it's easy for me to do when I come to church regularly, when I, when I hear the Christmas story over and over again, it's like, yeah, I know, Jesus came and he died for my sins. Yeah, I know, he was born, he lived a perfect life, he died for my sins that separate me from God. Okay, like, I get it. Let's move on to the other things in the Christian life. We have to constantly come back to the power of the gospel and the fact that you and I had the biggest conflict that the universe has ever seen between us and God, and there was no way for us to fix it. But that baby came. He was God, and he lived a perfect life, and he died the death I deserved, and he fixed it. He brought peace. And I believe when we hold on to that perspective that, wow, the peace Cain has come to fix the only conflict that was an eternal conflict. Do we realize that? That the only conflict that we've ever had, is the, con- the only eternal conflict you and I have ever had is the one between us and God. All the other ones in life, they're going to disappear someday. That annoying coworker, that, that crazy schedule, that, that family challenge, whatever it is, although hard and difficult and very real, those will all end. The good news is, if you are a follower of Jesus, the conflict that could have lasted between you and God for forever, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that conflict's gone. You have peace. And so I I believe that in order to experience this peace that Jesus came to brought, we have to keep that perspective in mind. And so this Christmas season, I'd encourage you with all the chaos and conflict and problems and just craziness that the holidays can bring, don't miss out on why that baby came. Because we all had a conflict with God that we could not resolve. And yet he chose to willingly. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus... 
that conflict is still there. And I'd really encourage you to raise the white flag and to surrender. Surrender is the only way that that peace between you and God can come. When Adam and Eve in the garden disobeyed God and took from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they said, you know what, God? We want to do things our way. We want to define right and wrong on our terms, not your terms. And that's exactly what you and I do. Or that's what we did before we came to know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you're still doing that. The problem of sin is still there. And I'd encourage you to raise the white flag and say, you know what, Lord? I surrender to you. Because that's where that peace begins, when we realize that he is the Lord, we are not. When we give up that right to our own lordship and give it back to God and live for him, we can find that peace. And that's the right thing to do because he's the creator of all things. He created you and me. He also then died for us and bought us back from our sin. But it's also the best thing for us. Because did, did God create us to live in a world of conflict? No, Genesis 1 2, he created us to live in a world of shalom and a world of peace. And only when we get things realigned for God first in our heart and in our life and as our Lord, only then can that peace begin to be experienced. And the amazing news is at Christmas time, we get to celebrate the fact that God came to bring us peace. Now, if Jesus is our Prince of Peace, and if you're here today and you are a follower of him, he also calls us to share peace with others. Now, we're, we are disciples to the Prince of Peace, therefore, we need to seek to be peacemakers. We need to follow in the example of our Savior. He came to be the Prince of Peace over us, to deliver us back into peace with God, And now he calls us to be peacemakers. If we go to Matthew chapter 5, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, in one of the Beatitudes, it says this, Matthew 5, verse 9. In the New Living Translation, it says, God blesses those who work for peace. Or as the NIV says, blessed are the peacemakers. I personally think this is one of the most challenging things Jesus asks you and me to do. Because creating peace is hard. It takes time. It's challenging because you're, you're dealing with an other individuals who may see life differently than you. Being a peacemaker is a challenge. And as people, often when we try to fix conflicts... Uh, you think about nations that try to fix conflicts. They either, they, they avoid each other or they, they go to more conflict with each other. They, they create war to get what they want. That's how, the, simplifying it, but that's kind of the idea of how they solve those conflicts. Or we think about power struggles within companies or in families or marriages where people are like, oh man, this is annoying. Well, I'm going to do this to get, get up on them, and I'm going to try to manipulate that to get up on them, and I'm going to lie here or do this to get up on them. And we, we, we get in this power struggle dynamic, and it just it creates more conflict. Or we avoid it. We just bury it under the rug. But Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. And I think there's two things we have to do 
to, to try to create peace with the people around us. The first is we need to stop doing things that cause conflict. Now, clarification, I don't think all conflict is bad. If someone comes up to me and says, hey, I have a conflict with you for following Jesus, well, I'm not going to stop following Jesus to avoid that conflict. Like, there's certain situations where conflict is okay. But I'm talking about situations where we know we're creating conflict and chaos and problems. We know there's sin in our heart doing something to this person or this group. And so the first step to help creating peace, to being that peacemaker, is we just we need to learn to stop doing the things that create conflict. Again, easier said than done. But I think that's intuitive. That like, hey, if I don't want to be at war with this person, I, I shouldn't lie to them. I shouldn't backstab them. I shouldn't um, give them that gossip or attitude or like all those things that just create chaos and conflict. We should avoid that. I think that's, that's kind of a no, no, duh, like type thing. Like we get that. But the second thing I think is super hard, but I think it's really good. And the second thing is I think we need to actually step towards that person and seek to bless them. The person who is in conflict with us, if we really want shalom with them, Remember, shalom is wholeness, it's completeness, it's restoration. That's what peace is. It's not the absence of violence or chaos, because it's not just that. Because think about World War II happened, violence, chaos all over the world, and when it stops in the pursuing years and decades, there was another war that was being fought. It's called the Cold War. And a ton happened during the Cold War, but simplifying it down, World War II There's guns, there's violence, there's death. In the Cold War, between the United States and our allies and the Soviet Union at that time and its allies, was there peace? No, there wasn't peace. There was political chaos and conflict. Was there the fighting there that happened like it did in World War II? No, that that violence was, again, I'm simplifying down, but was to a degree, it wasn't there. And yet there wasn't peace. So avoiding negative behavior doesn't, doesn't solve the problem of creating peace with our neighbor or our friend or our spouse or whoever. Creating peace, real peace, real shalom, is following Jesus' footsteps. And what did he do? He came to our world. He lived among us. He served us. And then he died for us. We create peace in the world around us. We seek to be peacemakers when we go bless others, even those who we're in conflict with. Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. When we follow Jesus' example, that's how we seek to be peacemakers. When we follow the example of the baby born in the manger, he stepped towards those who were his enemies. Humanity. Oftentimes, we step away from those who are our enemies. But Jesus calls us to this higher calling of saying, you know what? We need to be peacemakers. And we can be motivated to do that when we remember that the conflict of the age, the conflict of all eternity, the biggest problem, the biggest mountain in in our life has already been conquered. 
It's our sin. And the baby in the manger came and took care of that. And when we live in the peace of that perspective, when we live experiencing the joy of being saved and being redeemed and being loved by our Heavenly Father, it doesn't necessarily make it super easy to go be a peacemaker, but it does help. It helps us to step out and say, you know what? Although this is a conflict between us, I'm going to choose to love you and serve you. It's hard and it's difficult, but I remember my Savior, when I was at war with him, he did that for me. So this Christmas season, as I wrap up, I just want to encourage us, let's not forget the peace that God came to restore to us. We can live in that now. Because maybe you're in a situation in life where you just feel so overwhelmed, there just seems to be so many pieces of the puzzle missing. And those are real pains and real hurts. I'm not trying to diminish that. But come back to the manger and let it take you to the cross. And remember that Jesus came to restore peace. And from that perspective then, let's go create peace in the world around us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being our God, for being the God who wanted shalom, who wanted peace with people. And although we sinned and we broke that, you didn't leave us here. You came and you offered the restoration of that peace in our lives. And Lord, I pray for anyone who's here now where life just feels like that unfinished puzzle, where life just seems so chaotic and conflicted and challenging. Lord, may they come back to you and realize the peace that you offer them. May they sit in that. May they dwell in that. May they experience your love. Let us not miss the Christmas season. We can get wrapped up in the lights and the things of this season, which are fun and good in and of themselves, but they're not the main point. You are. Thank you, Father. Amen.